Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Granny Shot, your not-so-serious NBA podcast. Today, I've only got Delco with me here. Delco, just a few episodes back, I was just me and Don. I guess Don left me, and now you've got a whole lot to live up to. Yeah, you got the you got the better end of the deal this time, so don't worry. We're good to go. But we'll see about that. There's a lot of pressure on you. I think I can live up to the Don expectation. It's, it's a low bar, so we hope you can. <laughs> So I had a pretty interesting weekend. I'm just going to fill you in real quick. So right now I'm currently operating with a, a giant bandage on my thumb. I sliced my thumb on a bagel. I'm quite the idiot and had to get three stitches in my thumb this weekend at about 730 in the morning. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I already knew you were an idiot, so that, that doesn't really surprise me. But I'm I'm sorry that happened. And I know last episode we said, you know, pray for the pinky. But I think we should have probably thrown the thumb in there too. The thumb always gets neglected. Hopefully it heals quickly and you and, and Hayward will be back soon. Yeah, me and Hayward. Another another interesting thought as you bring up Hayward is I got a Gordon Hayward uh, jersey for Christmas for my girlfriend's parents. How about that? Nice. After multiple episodes of shitting all over him and his contract. He and I are, are dating now, so we're good to go. All right. So again, we don't have Don today. It's just you and I. So we'll make sure the next episode that Don's able to join us, that we get his pick similarly to how you did yours when uh, you weren't able to join us. But we do have seven remaining teams in our over under episodes. And just for those who have not joined for any of our episodes, I do recommend one, you go back and listen to those. But two, the way that it's working is we've worked our way in reverse alphabetical order by the city name. And we've gone through and made our picks on the over under wins. And the over-under win percentage because of uh, the COVID situation, we imagine some games will have a high likelihood of possibly getting canceled. So those seven teams that we have left in the West, we're going to talk about the Rockets, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Mavs. And in the East, we're going to talk about the Nets, the Celtics, and the Hawks. And the first team we're going to jump into today is the Rockets. We've talked about the Rockets quite a bit in some of our other episodes. And the over-under for the Rockets per Vegas, and just so everybody's aware, these Vegas odds came out very beginning of December after the Westbrook Beal trade. So they are as up-to-date as they may be, maybe a, a game or two here and there, but should be pretty up-to-date. The Rockets over-under win is 34 and a half games. So about 35 a games out of a 72-game season coming up. That's a 48% win percentage. That is 13% less than what they won in 2020. That's about as high as it's gotten in these episodes that we've done in terms of a drop-off from one season to the next. So Vegas sees a big drop-off from the Rockets this year. Now, I think we're probably in, have varying opinions on where the Rockets are going here based on previous episodes, but Delco, lead us off with your thoughts. Yeah, we got in a boxing max, match last time we had to talk about the Rockets, so I'll try to tread lightly. I don't want to... I know you're recovering from your thumb in injury, so don't want to disrupt that. But since we had that discussion, Vegas apparently agreed with my take, and they also don't have faith in the Rockets because... Whereas when we had that discussion, I think the over-under was a little bit above 40 and had them taking a slight step back. Vegas now has the Rockets at 34 and a half games, which is wild. It, it's almost taking it in the opposite direction. And I guess they have no faith in this Rockets team. And they think Harden is definitely gone. And Cousins and Wall are definitely not going to finish the season. So 
I'm actually going to flip a little bit here and say over for the Rockets. I still think they have a decent shot at at making the playoffs. Um, I do think there's a shot that the Rockets can't get what they want from a trade for Harden and that he does end up finishing the season, even if he is demanding a trade out. So I'm actually going to take the over and and say that the Rockets still have a shot to squeeze into the playoffs. And I'm I'm a little bit shocked that Vegas is so pessimistic um, after that Russell Westbrook trade. You're starting to come around after that boxing match, aren't you? Sure, Ryan. <laughs> I'll take the point. So I, I'm taking the over as well here. I originally did not think the Rockets were going to be interested in trading both Westbrook and Harden. I thought that the trade when they moved Westbrook and bringing in Wall in was a let's see if this works. At the very least, we'll hold Harden until the trade deadline. Give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, then we'll trade him hopefully at a time when maybe his value is even higher than than it is now. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. I don't think Harden is going to get moved in the next couple of weeks. I know that there's a general sentiment that that's what may happen, but I just have this sense that they're going to roll the dice and just hope that his value increases later in the season or just see how it works with Wall and Cousins and a guy that we haven't mentioned and Christian Wood who's looked great this preseason. So I think that they're going to give it a shot and I think the Rockets are going to end up coming over. If Harden plays and buys into playing with Wall and Cousins and Wall and Cousins play even at 80% of what they used to be, even 70, 80% of what they used to be, I actually think they're going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to be any much worse than they were last year. If that happens, if all that happens. Yeah. So I'm taking the over based on that possibility. And if Harden gets traded, I still think they'll be competitive at least. I don't think they're going to be good, but I still think they'll be competitive even without them. Yeah, I think if they lose Harden, then that it's almost like the over under that they are showing us here is assuming Harden is already gone. So that's why I'm I'm taking the over with the chance that he's not. And if he does leave, I think that's a pretty fair number to to pin them at. And I do think they have a, a chance to beat the over there. So it seems like a fairly easy over with with Christian Wood. Christian Wood is interesting because he did look really good there at the end of, of uh, the season for the Pistons. I don't know if I'm 100% sold on him yet. I mean, do we not need to see more games from a player before we offer him that amount of money and and say that he's going to be this, you know, huge piece for the Rockets? Defined sold. Like, what are you expecting out of him? Oh, I, that, I think that's my whole point is I don't know what I'm expecting. Do I expect the Christian Wood that we've seen all throughout his career and the inconsistencies and that ability to hit the three? Is that going to carry over to this contract? Or are we going to see the Christian Wood that we saw for a handful of games at the end of last year? I think he's finally been given an opportunity in, in Detroit. And I think that's the Christian Wood that we see more consistently is is it, it's going to align with what he did for the back half of the season in Detroit. It's not like he's getting paid a ton of money. You know, he's he's getting paid thirteen million dollars a year, which I I think could end up being a steal. He's only twenty five. That they're rolling the dice on the fact that he's only had half a season of success, but I I think he's going to fit in really nicely. And I think even if Harden leaves, he's a really good piece to have for a healthy John Wall, if that's even a possibility to have a healthy John Wall. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, it'll be curious to see what happens if they do move Harden. Though, are they going to want to be stuck in limbo with a oft injured John Wall and Cousins, or are they going to want to just give Wood the keys to the franchise and maybe try to lose some games and put some young pieces around him? It's a it's a bit of a wild card, it seems right now. But I will say, Ryan, the bet still stands from a couple episodes ago. 
Rockets are definitely going to finish lower than they were last year. And anytime you want to take me up on that offer, just, uh, you know, I said I wanted to see how the rest of the offseason played out. And this is exactly why. So I'm going to continue to do that. All right. Yeah, whatever you say. So salty. I eat salt for breakfast every morning. Gross. A handful. (laughs) So you're going over, I'm going over. We're at a 48% win percentage. We're both saying over that. Uh, Again, we've talked about the Rockets quite a bit in our previous episodes. So take a look into those if you'd like to hear some more. Um, I do want to continue moving on in the interest of time. We get into another fun team here in the Golden State Warriors. Now, everyone knows about the Warriors. This past season was a disappointment because of injuries. They had KD leave. They had Clay get hurt. And then two, three, or four games into the season, Steph goes down with a hand injury, and they pretty much decide to commit to tanking the season. They get Clay back for the offseason. He ends up getting hurt again. They do have Steph back. Steph looks healthy. He's looked pretty solid in preseason. Draymond should be back at 100% at some point. He's been in COVID protocol recently. They add Kelly Oubre, add Wiseman in the draft. They've got some young guys that ended up coming on strong towards the end of last season. Vegas has them at 37.5 wins, 52% win percentage. I'll go first in this one. I go back and forth on the Warriors so much. I can't decide what I think Steph is capable of carrying right now in a very tough Western Conference. I think I'm going to go under very slightly. Because wow. I think they're obviously going to really miss Clay, and I think that they're going to just have a hard time with some of the other loaded pieces in the West. So I'm going under very slightly, um, but I'm actually really cheering for them this year because of all the adversity that they've had to deal with. So I really want to see Steph play well. Kelly Oubre is a guy that I really like that I've been advocating for since he was on the Wizards as a really strong up-and-coming player. And I want to see him come in and, and make an impact. And if he does, then I'm going to... If he makes a huge impact, I'm going to be wrong here in pick, predicting this under. And I hope that I am. But I'm going to go under because that's just what my gut's telling me. But this is one of the toughest ones for me. That's that's kind of surprising. And I'm, I'm wondering if... I, I mean, I guess with the Vegas over-under, that, I guess that's what the sentiment is, is, is that they're really not going to be the same. And I think it's completely fair to say that Golden State Warriors team that we all knew there for half a decade or, or a little bit more is gone. They're never going to come in and be the clear favorites to win the finals, um, at least in the next couple of years. But 52%, that seems pretty low. I did watch Steph in the preseason and he looked like the same Steph that I've always seen. Just unbelievable to watch, can score, can just fill up the box score so quickly, can score from anywhere. He fully has the ability to carry this team. And I think the health concerns are a little bit talked about a little bit too much. I, I don't think that he's that big of an injury risk this year. Um, I'm not really worried about him getting hurt, to be clear. Right. I think Draymond had a quiet year last year. And I think he's going to come in with the same fire that he's always had this year. Now that he knows he, they've got their guy back in, in Steph. I thought Dre was a lot older than he actually is. I kind of got the sense that he was Steph's age or older, but he's actually 30 years old. Uh, So it's not like he's over the hill or anything. I think he's going to come back and be the same old Dre in his prime, maybe even smarter player. See, I I don't see that happening at all. I, I absolutely do. I think Dre will come back and be just as good as he was two years ago. He knows that they have something to prove. And Draymond's always kind of thrived in that role of not being respected and wanting to earn the respect. So I think Draymond's actually going to have a really good year. 
Of course, they're going to miss Clay. Clay's incredible. He brings a lot to that team. But I really believe in Kelly this year. And it's funny because, Ryan, you say that you've always believed in Kelly. And that's true. And I was kind of the person who was talking shit about Kelly for a long time and saying he was irrelevant and uh, he wasn't that good. I think Why don't you give him a little background info on that one? What was the trade that you said they lost the trade? I didn't say they lost. I said it was irrelevant. It was Kelly Ubre for an older Trevor Ariza swap. And I said it was an irrelevant trade. And I was wrong. Um, I think Kelly is... I love love those three words. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You're not going to hear them very often. I think Kelly was a lesson learned for me in that when some of these younger guys come in, I think he was drafted at 19, if I'm not mistaken, and kind of the mid-round is a high potential. In In that ballpark, yeah. And, you know, because he didn't make a big impact in his first two or three or even four years, maybe, I kind of wrote him off as capable of big games here or there, but not super exciting. I I didn't like what I saw that much. For a little while, I didn't like his attitude. I've kind of turned around. I do like him now. But he's really come into his own as a player. He's a fantastic defensive player. He can score. He can do everything. He fights really hard. I think him and Dre are going to be really fun fun slash annoying to watch together uh, with their attitudes. And I think he's exactly what this team needed after Clay went down. And I think he's going to be big for them. Wiggins, I I think Wiggins sucks, honestly. I don't think he's going to do that much this year. I know some people are expecting him to have a big year, but I just don't think he has the it factor. I do think Kelly has the it factor. I don't think Wiggins has it. And then I was saying in the granny mock that I thought Wiseman was a good fit here for the Warriors to come in and contribute right away. And I still believe that. I don't think he's going to carry them or anything, but I think he's going to come in and fill in his role and do what he needs to do. And he'll be able to learn while also contributing right away. So I feel pretty comfortable taking the over here for this team. Can I change my mind? No, sorry. It's locked in. I'm doing it anyways. All right. I'm changing my mind to the over because like because, I said, I was because 50, I was 50 all wrong. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll give you credit here. You, you just convinced me. That's all right. right. That's the, right. Uh, when the season when the trade happened last season for Wiggins to go to the Warriors, I was actually a fan of it because I thought D'Angelo Russell on the Warriors made zero sense. And I thought, why not try Andrew Wiggins in a new system under Steve Kerr, under people that if you don't play team ball, you're going to sit your ass on the bench type system and type franchise. So I'm, I'm not expecting him to turn into an all-star or anything along those. I'm not expecting him to, to give you the output that, his contract says you should get, but I do think he's going to have the best year of his career from a efficiency standpoint. And from just a general impact standpoint, I think in Minnesota, he was looked at as a negative, both from an efficiency perspective on the floor, but even just from an attitude perspective. And I think he makes improvements in both those areas this year. So that, um, I think that's where we disagree. I think that's where we disagree is I don't see the attitude improvement happening. I, I hate to say this something based on a couple of preseason games I watched, but I did watch him in the preseason while Steph was hooping and he still just looked lost. He looked like he was throwing passes into the fourth row. He didn't look like he fit. And and the Warriors and Kerr, Steve Kerr run a pretty tight ship over there. And I think it's more likely that he ends up losing minutes and maybe fading out of the rotation than he comes in and has a career year because I think they expect it of him. Everyone feels like this is his second chance because, you know, he's getting a fresh start. He's not relied on to score that much. He just needs to fill in a role. But I just don't think he's going to live up to the expectations. And I think that someone like 
I don't know, Kent Bazemore even will be able to step in and fill a similar role. So I, I'm still taking the over. I still have faith in this team. Maybe Wiggins has an okay season, but I've I've completely lost faith in him at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not willing to to throw in the towel on Wiggins yet. I guess that's where we differ. I do think Bazemore is going to turn out being a, a pretty solid signing for them. He signs a minimum salary, and I think he'll he'll have some some big games for them. Uh, Bazemore, experienced guy, brings the hustle. Not afraid of the moment. Can take some big shots. Sometimes he won't make them. Sometimes he will, but. I think he'll prove to be a, a nice little ad for them. I think so too. Although I will say, uh, sometimes Bazemore seems a little bit too unafraid of the moment. <laughs> it's like definitely, <laughs> but I, I think uh, the the benefit outweighs the negative for him usually, especially on a team like this where he probably knew when he signed that what they were expecting out of him was energy off the bench and and things like that. So um, okay, so so we're both going over here. Uh, I changed my mind midway through. Let the record show that I did choose over. And uh, if, if I am right, that I, I never wavered in that. So let's and move if, on. If he is right, it's because I convinced him to be right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's continue in, in through the Western Conference. You've got two teams left, two teams that both made the playoffs last season. The first one's going to be the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets, a team that was able to make it to the Western Conference Finals. They come back from 3-1 down twice, first versus the Jazz, in which they advanced the second round off of a very narrow miss from Conley. You know, they get to the second round by a matter of inches. And then they come back from 3-1 down to the Clippers, a team that was heavily favored. Then they go and they lose to the Lakers in five. But I think that's a little deceiving. I think they made that series a lot more competitive than what it would show and that they lost by five. You take away that Anthony Davis three at the buzzer uh, and that series probably looks a whole lot different. Goes at least six, in my opinion, if that shot doesn't go down, it goes seven. So the Nuggets, they haven't really made many moves this season. They will get Barton back, who didn't play most of the second half of last season. They added the Argentine guy who's been fun in preseason, Campazzo. If you haven't watched any of his highlights, go watch him. He's like 5'11". He's a little gnat on the floor, just stealing the ball, making some pretty clever passes. He might be able to give them some energy off the bench this year. And he's 29, um, so it gives me hope yeah, that I still have a shot in the league. I'm 5'11", yes. also. 29-year-old rookie. He reminds me of um, the guy that used to play for the Knicks. Uh, his name's blanking on me right now, like Pornini or something. Anyways. I know exactly who you're talking about, and I, I drafted him in fantasy thinking that I got the steal of the draft, and he ended up doing nothing. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he like, ripped cigarettes after practice and stuff. He was, he was hey, whatever works. Yeah. Uh, the only major loss for the Nuggets is Jeremy Grant. He ends up going to the Pistons. I think that was a more significant loss than maybe the general consensus may seem to think. I think a lot of folks probably think that they have enough young pieces to step in and, and fill the role or fill the the minutes that Jeremy Grant took. But he was an energy guy that typically guarded the other team's best player and also could knock down shots and give some some really good uh, impactful plays on the offensive end. So I think that's going to hurt. I'm taking the under on this. You know, I think I just explained my reason why is they didn't make many ads and Jeremy Grant leaves i think the nuggets played better in the playoffs than they're going to play in the regular season jamal murray played incredible in the playoffs and he didn't really touch that level of play in the regular season and i just don't see him sustaining that i've kind of always had my doubts about 
uh, about him, but I and I have grown on him. He played amazing in the playoffs, but I just don't see it being sustainable for the entire season. So I'm taking the under very slightly. I still see them in the playoffs as a four or five seed, but um, but yeah, under. Yeah, I have kind of a weird take on the Nuggets where I, I do think a lot of their guys get better. I do think Jamal Murray sustains that level of play. I'm not saying he's going to be dropping 50 every third night or anything, but I do think he's going to, going to be better than he was last year. Jokic is still going to improve and, and have another really strong, solid season. Barton is interesting. Does he make them better? No. I, I don't, I, I'm not sold on that either. Even if he can fill up the box score a little bit, I, I think he takes away from what made the Nuggets good. It's not like they were lacking depth. You know, they've always had depth. And I feel like all Barton does is just add more depth. But that just takes away more minutes from people that were like similarly his quality. Well, Barton's actually starting to begin the season. I just saw I know. ahead, I saw of, ahead of Michael Porter Jr., which. But know. they're going to get similar minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I do think the Jeremy loss is is massive, especially with Paul Millsap coming back as a 35-year-old. How many games does he play? And does a 30-year-old Jamichael Green, you know, is, is he going to be able to step in and, and fill those minutes when Paul Millsap is injured or rests? You know, not necessarily. I don't, I don't know if he fits really well on this team, even though I kind of like him as a player. So I think a lot of the Nuggets players individually improve. I think as a team, they got worse. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is really exciting and he's got a lot of a, a lot of potential, but I'm not sure in you know, crunch time if he can play those defensive minutes that, that he's going to have to play if they want to win games. He might have some really exciting 20 and 10, 30 and 10 nights, but does that matter if you're losing games in crunch time? Maybe not. So um, I'm going to take the under as well, mainly because I, I think the West got stronger, you know, also because of the Jeremy loss. But if, if you look at where the Nuggets finished last year in, in third, if they lose two more games last year, they finish in like the bottom half of, of the West. So the the West is really close and I don't think everything rolls their way this year like it did last year. And I'm with you. I think they'll finish in the four to seven range. So I think I've said in older episodes that they'll, they'll stumble down a little bit. I don't think that says I'm not talking so much about their talent as I am just where they'll finish in the West and in the context of the West. Yeah, so I want to go back to Michael Porter Jr. I, I don't I think he's going to be fine on the defensive end of the floor. You know, last season was really his first season of basketball in in two years. So he's got all the tools to be a solid defender. I think he made some pretty solid defense moments in the playoffs. Uh, if and I think he'll he'll learn to be consistent, especially with other players fighting for minutes, breathing down his neck. I think that's going to help him. I do wonder if you know having bonafide superstars on this team and Jokic and an all-star level player and Murray, if it's going to hinder Michael Porter Jr.'s progress, right? You throw him on a bad team and he's the guy. So I'm curious to see how they try to get Michael Porter Jr. more involved as, you know, the primary option, what kind of sets they run because the Nuggets are the most predictable offense in the league, but it's very hard to stop, but it's, Pick and roll, Jokic and Murray, whether it's Murray as the ball handler or Jokic as the ball handler, both sets are really effective. I'm just very curious to see how they integrate Porter into that because I don't think he wants to be just a spot-up shooter, nor do I think that's the best way to utilize him. So we'll have to see how that happens. It's something that I'm really intrigued about. Yeah, they they have a couple guys there. And also throw in Barton, right, who seems to have the ball in his hands a decent bit. And now you have four guys potentially on the court who all want the ball in their hands. It'll it'll be interesting. and. 
you know, if, if they want to ship Porter to a bad team to give him minutes, the Hornets are always there. That'd be amazing. He's, he's a great player. I, I think he's he would demand a lot back in a trade. So I'm not sure if he could be shipped to any kind of poor team. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I don't I don't think the Nuggets are interested in moving him. I think they see the value that everybody else sees in him. What about Bull Bull? Does he have any sort of impact on this team this year? I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> every, everyone talks about him because he's so huge and such an you know interesting type of player. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's doing anything meaningful. Maybe he has a couple of cool plays in the regular season or something. But if yeah. it, if it does happen, it's not happening anytime soon, in my opinion. Yeah, they they just have a, a bunch of cool interesting young guys that'll it'll be fun to see how they progress and and how some of them get minutes they 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 certainly don't like depth right that's definitely not something that the nuggets are worried about here yeah i will say uh, ball ball looked pretty solid in a couple preseason games i know right he does hey he can step out and knock shots down he's a shot blocking machine at times it's it's interesting so i think he'll see him sneak on the floor here and there and i guess we'll see if he if he makes the best of it and solidifies himself in the rotation. I mean, by Don's level, he's a superstar for sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're both going under here. sounds like we're kind of on the same page in terms of where they land within the West. Let's finish out our Western conference here and move on to the Dallas Mavericks. I know you're a huge Mavericks fan. I've always been a big Mavericks fan from a franchise perspective, from the Dirk days to the way that Mark Cuban likes to run the organization to the coaching staff. The Mavs of right now, Vegas has them at a 43 and a half game over under wins. So about 43, 45 wins there. That's about a 60% win percentage. Last year, they won 57% of their games. So they, they see a, a slight increase here, a bit of an improvement. I'll let you go first. I've got some uh, strong opinions on this, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, this one's this one's pretty tough for me. I think that's a pretty fair place to have them. I, I think that this could be the year they push up into the top half of the Western Conference, and I think that purely because I think Luca makes another step. I think I think Luca has a couple more steps to make in his career. As crazy as that sounds, because he's had such a strong campaign in his first two years. I think he makes a step this year and I don't think he's done there. I think he learns how to add a little bit more efficiency to his game, whether that's improving his three point shot or his free throw percentage, but he already demands so much respect for this league at such a young age. And I just don't see any ceiling for this guy. I like what they did with the Seth Curry um, addition or uh, getting rid of Steph Curry and adding Josh Richardson. This team was really lacking defense. And I like that Josh brings that and, he can shoot the ball a little bit too. Um, same with James Johnson. They added him at the end of last year. The Heat were probably willing to ship him because of Bam's emergence. And James Johnson really fits in well with this team as kind of a tough guy presence that they really need around all this talent. KP is going to be injured for a while. I don't think we see him until February at the earliest, but I don't think that's going to be too big of a deal. I think this is Lucas' team and Luca can find ways to win with, with what he has around them. So I think they're definitely still going to have some defensive issues, but I'm expecting really big things from Luca. Excited to watch him play and and to see if he can live up to those ridiculous expectations that are being set for him. So I feel very confident in this pick, and I'm taking the under. Did I even and say? Did I say what I was taking? Did I say I was over? Slide over? I guess it was implied. 
with how yeah, I, was, like, I, blowing I, I, I anticipated it as as the as the over as you were uh, you know filleting gargling Lucas balls there uh so I'm going with the under and I'm pretty confident in it and the reason why is I just have a gut feeling that the Mavs are going to regress and that the West got better I don't like they haven't done much you mentioned James Johnson he's fine right Josh I don't Richardson. think he's gonna make a huge effect Josh Richardson's a nice piece I like the Josh Richardson ad I, I think that was a situation where both teams got better and Seth Curve to the Sixers and Josh Richardson to the Mavs but I don't think it makes enough of an impact for them to make any sort of leap I think Luca has a very similar season as last year I don't see the type of step that he made from year one to two in year two to three. I know, you know, things don't always work on this like exponential curve. So eventually you do expect him to level off. And I think you start to see that leveling off start to happen, even though it is only his third season. I really like this team. I love cheering for Luca. I just really don't see them pushing into the top half of the West. I do still think they make the playoffs but I think they stay in the seven, eight range. And I think they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs again. And it's just one of those situations where I'm really confident about it. I feel, I feel very strongly that the Mavs just aren't in that upper echelon of the West. And I don't see that they have a route there yet until they address a lot of the defensive concerns that they had last year. And I know Josh Richardson is a strong defender, but I think I've said this before, adding one good solid defender doesn't change the culture well, James Johnson too has a James Johnson too has a full season with the squad as well, and I, I know I I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to completely solve all their problems, and you know I think Luca will become a better defender than he was last year. I think that's part of where this leap could come from is in his individual and team defense. Uh, although I do think the free throw percentage could really uh, swing this team's fate one way or the other, but. You know, adding two really tough defenders certainly helps, and it's something that they really needed. Yeah, I, I don't really think James Johnson's that good of a defender, personally. Uh, Chris Stapps is somebody that I haven't mentioned at all. He's a huge piece here. He has to come in and play well for them to be good. I think Chris Stapps is overrated, personally, even Same. when he is healthy. Me too. Uh, I, I think that if he is healthy, then they'll be maybe they can sneak into that four or five seed, but even if he's not healthy, I don't think they'd lose that much to be completely honest. I, I, I think he's a, he's one of those guys that can have a huge game and have an impact, but I just think he's a little overrated. And and I think one of the reasons he's overrated is because he used to play for the Knicks, quite frankly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going under, I don't think Chris Stapps can stay on the floor to keep them at the level that they were at last year. Even with him on the floor, I would still have doubts as to whether they would get to this over under one percentage. Yeah, Chris Epps is fun to watch, and I think it could be the Knicks factor. I think it's also just the way he could score and put out those ridiculous box score numbers at the end of games. Um, but I do think he can really be exposed on defense, and he is really inconsistent. It's better to have him to, than to not have him, right? Um, so right, I think of course. They're, they're going to want to have him back, certainly, and I think he can make a difference. But I, I agree with you. I don't know if that difference is as big as people might think. That's probably controversial outside of, of us too, honestly. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see. Maybe somebody will chime in and, and some, some Mavs fan will tell us that we're, we're idiots. It wouldn't be the first time. You get a lot so, of Mavs fans calling you an idiot. I get so many Mavs fan hate mail. It's my Our granny <laughs> shot email is just filled with Mavs fan hate mail. You wouldn't believe it. 
<laughs> and I think Chris Stapps is out for the first 15 or so games at a minimum. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll see how they perform at the beginning of the season and uh, how they, you know, because even when he does come back, they may have to learn how to play without him because he seems to be on and off the floor all the time. All right, so that wraps up the West. Yay! Look at us. All right. Let's conference over under is done and we're gonna move on to the less exciting conference however we've got some exciting teams and one of those is the brooklyn nets who is our local team since don's not here and it's just us you've got two local brooklyn guys i actually live about 20 yards from the back entrance of the barclays center don't go a brooklyn guy as well i know i can speak for myself and i think i can speak for you in saying I absolutely hate this team. <laughs> Kevin Durant is one of my least favorite players ever. I, which is shocking for me to say, because for multiple years on the Thunder, I loved him. But as soon as he left to go to the Warriors and his behavior since then, I just have grown to really not like the guy. And do I even need to talk about Kyrie? I probably shouldn't because even just saying his name, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to, right? Am I woke enough to talk about Kyrie? No, you don't. You don't get it. None of us get it. He's on another level from all of us. So, um, no, I'm I, I'm with you. I it sucks because you know living here for years, you kind of get attached to the team just because those are the only games you're really going to, right? I mean, Nets t- Nets tickets were cheap because they weren't that good, so it was always fun just to be able to stroll over to Barclays and watch some basketball games, and you end up rooting for them a little bit when they're not playing your squad. And I like the team. I liked Levert. Um, I like Dinwiddie. I kind of like, you know, I like some of the young pieces. They're exciting to watch. And then my actual two least favorite players <laughs> come to the team. And, and this Brooklyn itself is thrilled. I, I feel like the city is thrilled. Everyone wants to see superstars on their team, but I can no longer root for this squad. I think they're overrated. Honestly, I'm, I'm like you. I was a huge Durant fan when he was on the Thunder. Of course, that all went out the window when he took the hardest road uh, to San Francisco on the reigning champions team and just rode that wave. I haven't had any respect for him since. And here he is trying to build his own legacy after smashing his old legacy on a Nets team um, with Kyrie Irving. Uh, Apart from me not liking their personalities at all, you got to be a little bit worried, right? If you're a Nets fan and looking at the injury history of, of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, both coming back from pretty substantial injuries and Kyrie having his checkered history is Kyrie's injury history due to him being on teams that he doesn't really want to play for. And maybe this is the year that he comes out and puts, you know, full season out. Maybe I'd be really worried about that. And then KD, you know, he's a, a seven footer who relies on his guard, like athleticism to become, you know, arguably the best scorer of all time. Can you tear your Achilles and bring that same level of athleticism back? In the preseason, it kind of looks like it. But I don't know if I want to buy the stock that these two guys are going to play more than 80% of their games and bring the Knicks or the Nets to a uh, a top two or three seed. So, you know, they're, they're obviously when they're all on the floor, they're arguably the best team in the East. We'll see how often that happens. Um, I'm going to take the under based on what I'm seeing so far. And I do that despite thinking that their their bench is actually a lot stronger than than you would think with with such a, a seemingly top heavy roster. You know, you still have guys like uh, Karis Levert who was coming into his own at the end of the year. Joe Harris is a sharpshooter. 
Uh, Torian Prince is, you know, nothing special, but a really solid 3 and D player. And then someone who gets no love despite putting out multiple strong seasons, Spencer Dinwiddie is still on the squad. So um, it'll be an interesting season for the Nets for sure. I expect them to finish in the four to six range. But, you know, at the end of the day, a lot's going to rely on Katie and Kyrie's health. And that's a scary thing to rely on. So I'm definitely higher on them than than you are. Um, Not in terms of do I like the team from a personal perspective, because certainly that is not the case, but just from how I see them performing. Even without Durant, I think this team's pretty good. To your point about the bench being there, right? They've got a very solid bench. Dinwiddie's been proven to be a a, a starting point guard in this league. He's a solid starting point guard in this league, and he's going to come off the bench. He gets no luck, though, for some reason. I know, I know, but but he's he's going to be a uh, he'll he'll probably be in their closing lineup, right? So he, he may come off the bench, but he'll play starter minutes. I suspect. I'm tempted to take the over, but I it's one of these ones that I really think that Vegas got it very right. I think that they're going to be right at that 63 percent win percentage. I think they're going to finish in the top three in the East. I think they'll. I don't think they're going to get first, but I think they'll get second or third, maybe fourth, but I would say second or third. I'm going to say the under, because I think the East as a whole, the top half of the East as a whole might underperform a little bit more than what people think. So I'm going to say under, but only very, very slightly. I do think Vegas got this one right. I do think Durant comes back and plays 80 to 90% towards the level of what he was at before. Also considering he got a year older. He and Kyrie are going to have a chip on their shoulder, almost similar to how that Heat team had a chip on their shoulder where they know a lot of people don't like them. And I think they're going to try to embrace that factor and see if it works for them. Jimmy Butler is like so much more mentally tough, though, than Kevin Durant. Why are we talking about Jimmy Butler? Didn't you say the Heat had that chip on their shoulder? The Heat from LeBron's days. Uh, Oh, okay. When everybody hated the Heat and and LeBron and and Dwayne Wade and they just had this this uh, me against the world type attitude and they embraced like the villain type role. I kind of I kind of see that Kyrie and Durant may do something like that. Although Kyrie will never admit that he'll be all peaceful and burning yeah. sage at arenas. <laughs> yeah, I I can see that. And there's as much as I don't like these guys, and that's definitely factoring into the over under here. They are two of. Arguably, you know, arguably the two of the top three or four best offensive talents in the NBA right now. Like ISO offensive talents. Like if you if you were going to pick five guys to say, I need a bucket, don't worry about passing the ball. Both of them are in the top five. Yeah, I agree. How do you see the Kyrie KD fit? You know, we have an example of KD playing really well with Steph. You have an example of Kyrie playing really well with LeBron, obviously, both of those tandems won NBA championships. I just have to ask it, even though I think I know the answer. Do you, How do you think they fit together? I think it's going to be fine. And the reason that I think it's going to be fine is because I think Kevin Durant is a really good team player. Yeah. And I, I just think you can put Kevin Durant on any team and he'll work because he moves the ball well. I, I think that was something that was very underrated of him when he went to the Warriors was they were like, Oh, is he going to be able to fit there and on an offense in OKC where it was very ISO related. And then he goes into the Warriors and fits in really well. I think it's going to be fine personally. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, I'm, I am curious to see uh, if his, because he's a solid defender too, right? Even though he's known to be one of the, if not the best scorer of all time. His defense certainly improved quite a bit those last two seasons in Golden State. But does that carry over with coming off an Achilles injury? I'm not so that, confident. That may that. be the thing that, that, that he loses the most or, or is the hardest for him to gain back. Yeah, so uh, before we move on from the Nets, I know we're talking about them a lot. If you take away KD and Kyrie and replace them with two league average uh, players, do they do they still make the or do they make the playoffs in the East? Or I think that they're pushing that eight, nine, ten seed. Yeah, I think I think they're in that similar range too. It, it, it'll be it'll be interesting, and it, it sounds like we're we should have taken the over based on what we're saying, but I'm going to stick with the under because fuck the Nets. Yeah, I'm going again. I'm going under only because I think that the Vegas is overvaluing the East as a whole. But I think they got it about right. I think they'll end up finishing in the top three to four teams in the East, and they'll win right around sixty-three percent of their games. But let's move on to another team in the East that actually Vegas has is the exact same win percentage and the exact same over/under wins, forty-five and a half. That's the Boston Celtics. Um, so they've got the Celtics winning 63% of their games. Like I said, that's 4% lower than what the Celtics won last season. Last season, they won 67% of their games. So they're probably factoring factoring in one, the fact that the Nets are there and will probably take away some of those wins. The East is getting better. And two, they lost Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was a solid piece for the Celtics. I say solid piece, but not the piece that they were expecting when they first signed him. Now, they also add... Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, but nothing substantial. I think Tristan Thompson will prove to be a very uh, important ad, perhaps in the playoffs, because I think in the playoffs this past season, they were really exposed for their lack of front court depth. And Tristan Thompson's a guy that's going to be able to step in and contend for starter minutes with Daniel Tice. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. And then Jeff Teague, uh, obviously a, a former all-star in this league as a point guard, He's going to come in and, and try to run that backup unit. That said, all that said, I'm taking the under and I'm confident about this one as well. Wow. I'm a big Celtics fan. I get I get ripped on for liking the Celtics as much as I do. I don't think that they got any better. I, I think they're going to miss Kemba for a large portion of the season. I think Kemba's on the decline. He's old. He's starting to have injury problems. And it's a, it always worries me when guys that are so durable – all of a sudden start to get injuries in their thirties. And I think that's what's happening with Kemba. And so that concerns me. And I don't think they did enough with their depth to address some of the important things that would have maybe taken them over the heat in the playoffs this past season. Yeah. Th- this one's really tough for me. I-, I actually have over written down here and I-, I-, I wrote that knowing that Kemba was going to miss some games. I, I wrote that knowing that, they're going to miss uh, the 50 or so games they got last year from Gordon Hayward. Um, I, I expect Marcus Smart to step in and backfill Kemba very nicely. I think both Jalen and Jason Sa- Jason Tatum are able to take another leap this year. I think they're they're an awesome fit together and they work really well off of each other. I also think Tristan Thompson is, is going to be huge for this squad. But I, I'm almost convinced. Yeah, I convinced you earlier. Maybe you convinced me here. Do it, man. That there are some huge holes in this depth here. You know, Jeff Teague is is really nice for a backup point guard, and I think he's actually going to uh, do a, a wonderful job with Kemba out and being a steady, 
playmaker for this team, but who's behind him while Kemba's out or if he's out? Who who's gonna come Peyton in? Pritchard. Exactly. That's that's terrifying. Who I will say has had a who has had a good preseason. Yeah, but preseason doesn't mean shit. <laughs> Can you play Tristan Thompson and Tice together? Or they might have to do that, it seems like. To begin, the I, I I can't see that happening. I, I think that they'll go very small. Um, I think you'll see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum kind of share that that power forward role um, with Daniel Theiser, Tristan Thompson. They did that a lot uh, when Gordon Hayward was out in the playoffs. I think you're more likely to see that happen. I think Grant Williams will get a lot of time this season. Uh, he's just you know kind of meh. He'll, he'll yeah. just a tough tough guy. None of this is doing it for me. And and Aaron Nesmith is is interesting, but I, I I have a take here on Nesmith. I think he is going to have a terrible start to the year because he came out touted as like the best shooter in the draft, with the highest percentage. I think he's a good shooter, but I'm not confident he's the best shooter. And I think he's going to kind of have this anxiety about his expectations where every time he takes a three people are going to expect him to make it. And if he misses like three or four to begin the season, it could get into his head. I don't really expect him to make a big impact at all uh, for the Celtics this year. And this depth is, is just hideous. Maybe if Kimba comes back healthy and they, they were able to keep floating and he's able to finish out the season strong. Then I go back to my over because I really do think Tristan Thompson adds a lot to this team. And I think Marcus smart is going to have a bigger role, which is a good thing for this team. But in the first half of this season, they're going to be relying on a bunch of no names to do a little bit too much. And so it it pains me, but I'm going to actually flip flop here and, and go under. All right. Point Ryan for convincing Delco to go under, although it pains me to say that because I want the Celtics to be cheering for the Celtics to go over. It's a team that I really like. I love Jalen Brown. I love Marcus Smart. Obviously, I love Kemba. Jason Tatum's an incredible player. I don't really love his attitude. I think he complains and bitches too much. But nonetheless, I like the Celtics. We'll see what happens. I'm taking the under. Convinced you to take the under. Let's move on to our final team. Unless you've got any final thoughts on the Celtics. Well, one one more final question. Is Kemba done? Uh, no, he is not done. I think Kemba will have a solid year. I, I think that you might see him regress in the same way that Mike Conley regressed from... Uh, two two years ago to this year. Yeah, Conley actually looked like he was turning it on a little bit in the bubble. So we'll see if um, if that was a full regression or just a uh, uh, injury he was fighting through while dealing with the new team. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I really hope not because I love that man. Um, so let's move on to the final team, the Atlanta Hawks. It certainly is not a a last but least situation here. Uh, we've talked about the Hawks a lot. If you want to hear our full breakdown of the Hawks, go listen to episode 11 of Grand New Shot. We talk about them a ton, so I don't want to talk about them a lot here. The Hawks have a 36.5 over-under from Vegas, 51% win percentage, so they have them coming in right at about 500. That's a 21% increase from last season. And we know all about their ads. Bogey, Capello, Gallo, Chris Dunn, Trey Young, another step. What are you taking here? I'm going to go under, but I think they still make the playoffs. Yeah, if you thought I was gargling Lucas balls earlier, go listen to that episode and listen to me fully gargle on the on the Hawks for like 20 minutes. Um, And then if you want to additional gargling Okongwu (laughs) in my in my in our uh, 
in our mock draft. I, I I love the draft. I love the free agency. Don't love the Atlanta Hawks in general, but I can't wait to watch this team. I think everyone knows I'm taking the over on them. Not much else to say that I haven't already said. It's it's a very deep, very exciting, high ceiling roster. Uh, I will add something I haven't said. I I think Trey might take a step back this year, actually, from where he was uh, last year. He had a wonderful season last year. I'm not sure if he can repeat that. His usage is definitely going to go down, in my opinion. But I don't think that's going to slow this team down. There's a lot of really great pieces here, and I I don't really see how they could possibly have a bad season. I'm I'm taking the over. All right, so you're going over. I'm going under. All right. We did it. We went through all 30 teams. We didn't necessarily have all three of us for every episode, but we're done. 30 teams down. Our over-unders are down. We'll uh, get to see who had the most right, who had the most wrong, and go from there. I think I'll also do a coin flip and see how the coin flip did compared to to granny picks. Oh, God. (laughs) It's going to really, you know... it's going to hurt our credibility. I'm doing air quotes over here. With credibility. <laughs> credibility, yeah. We worked so right. hard for it. <laughs> real, real, real quick before we say goodbye to the granny fannies out there, we've got the first games of the season coming up here in two days. And we've got the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Nets. Who you got in those two games? Lakers, Clippers. I'll take the Lakers, even though I have the Clippers finishing above the Lakers uh, for the regular season, I think. I think LeBron's going to try harder in this game than he does in any other regular season game this year. How about Warriors-Nets? Warriors-Nets will be so fun to watch. I think Curry's going to have a massive game, but I think the Nets will pull it out. Okay. Hi, I'm going Nets-Clippers. We'll see. I can't wait to watch it. And then we've got a full slate of games on the 23rd. And then, of course, the Christmas Day games. So it is the holiday season. We do have real lives outside of Granny Shot, unfortunately. I don't. Uh, un- except for Delco. He <laughs> pretends to have a real life. But we're going to get back to uh, to regular episodes in the new year. So we're going to have a little bit of a break here. But we will get back to everything and break down the first week of the NBA season starting in early January. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a fun episode. Uh, if you want to tweet us or send us an email or reach out to Don and ask him where he was, why he doesn't think we're important, please do that. You can do Ryan. that by tweeting us at GrannyMBA or sending us an email at GrannyShotMBA at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. This is Granny Shot. Hello?